तो वी आर डूइंग चैप्टर ट्वेंटी सेवन बिस्टोवल ऑफ ग्रेस फ्रॉम साई सत्चरित माय ओबीसेस टू श्री गणेश टू श्री सरस्वती टू श्री गुरु महाराज टू द फैमिली डेटी टू श्री सीता रामचंद्र माय मोस्ट हम्बल ओबीसेंस आई बाव इन रेवरेंस टू द मोस्ट वेनरेबल गुरु श्री साईना व्हेन यू होल्ड फास्ट टू द सदगुरुस फीट यू आर रियली पेइंग ओबीसेंस टू द त्रिमूर्ति दैट इज ब्रह्मा विष्णु एंड महेश इट्स एन ओबीसेंस टू द परब्रह्म और गॉड हिमसेल्फ व्हिच ब्रिंग्स टू द ग्रेटेस्ट सेल्फ रिजॉइसिंग You take a plunge into the ocean and acquire the merits of having made the pilgrimage to all the holy places. Similarly, you hold firmly to the Guru's feet, and you will have found all the gods there. Glory to you, O Sadguru Sai, O Kalpataru, that gives us the Sayujya Mukti. Blessed are you, the ocean of self-knowledge. Inspire the listener's mind with a reverence towards the story. As a chatak bird awaits eagerly the raindrops from the clouds so do the faithful of their nectar sweet story may all your devotees savor the nectar and rejoice forever as they listen to your pure sacred story may drops of perspiration spring up all over their body tears of love gather thickly in the eyes and the vital airs in their deep attachment linger at their feet may the mind be overcome with powerful love the hair stands on end Again and again with excessive joy, may it bring forth sobbing and crying repeatedly to the listeners and their families. And this is a very common thing that happens in all the, uh, you know, when you are reading holy books, you will find that this is a part and parcel of our world because spiritual will happens when there is a lot of. You know the emotions well up inside. You feel like crying. You feel like dancing. You feel like singing. There are lots of activities which happen on their own, and this is not connected to what is called as your physical body. Physical. See, when when we meet somebody, let us say for example, we are meeting our friend. So we meet our friend. We shake our hands, and we don't cry for them. We are basically what happens to us is. we are showing a certain amount of emotion now that emotion is external if if the mum if mummy gives you one tight slap tears well up in our eyes okay that happens because of another emotion okay you are meeting somebody after a long time it's another emotion but here this is a not motivated one there is no motivation per se what happens is all emotions are external so externally you see something your eyes are welling up and then you have tears in them here what happens is whatever is being said whatever is being heard or listened to like say even a music what happens is it goes inwards meets the inner being and then there is a communication between the outer body and the inner being and in this is what brings us that kind of a tears and it is very natural and automatic it's not motivated that way so spiritual crying is completely different than our natural crying that happens so these two cannot be mixed up may the resistance to each other the difference between the great and the small be shed for a careful search within will bring the realization that this is the real awakening to the guru's grace this perception of the guru's guru's grace cannot be seen by the eyes for it is beyond all sense organs and except for the sadguru its giver is not to be found elsewhere search as you may in all the three worlds ah uh, this is a very important thing you will find that the tears or the oripulations or you know hair standing at end as we say or just feel like laughing crying dancing singing whatever all this happens because the guru's words are making an impact inside right inside and that is the real reason why this thing happens unless there is a deep devotion unbounded love and an unswerving faith in the guru the six passions like lust anger etc will not be abated and the ashtabhav will not rise ashtabhav is this kind of eight different kinds of things that happen in a person the blissful de- the devotee's blissful joy of the self brings greatest happiness to the guru and as the devotee is more firmly set towards the spiritual goal greater is the guru's fond admiration for him a total identification with the material the body and the house son and wife as being one's own is an exercise in futility 
For all this is transitory, illusory Maya, like a flitting noonday shadow. If one wants to avoid getting entangled in the meshes of Maya, one should surrender with a single-minded devotion to Sai. Trying to unravel the mysteries of Maya, the Ved Shastras have accepted defeat. Only he who sees God in all the created things, animate and inanimate, can overcome Maya with certainty. Blessed indeed was this Patil Chanubai who in the beginning brought Fakir Sai with him to Nevasa, when he left the Nizam state. There the Fakir stayed on for six months or a year. And there it was that he had the company of Kama from Kannad village in the district Rahori. Later, however, all these people came from there to Shirdi with Baba, Kama, Dagudu Tamboli or the well-known Takli village. Innumerable are the holy places of pilgrimage spread out on the different parts of the country. But to the devotee of Sai, Shirdi alone is the holiest. This uh, where the spiritual goal is mentioned over here. The Guru is always looking after the disciples, devotees, for reaching their spiritual goal. You will find that many a times the goals are not like a set you know, posts over there that you have to go and touch it and you have reached it over there. No, nothing like that. There is no comparison between one person and another. So, the spiritual goal can never be the same for different people. Point of view. Everybody's point is going to differ. So, suppose you compare. Oh, he is standing in the inner lane. I am standing in the outer lane. <laughs> you know, when we, are, when we are running the race, the person who is standing in the inner lane gets an advantage because he has got a little less to run according to... It's psychological actually. <laughs> but we still believe, you know, he is going to run less. There's nothing like that. Actually, all of them are running in the same direction. The distance will be the same. Yet, the feeling arises, ki, oh, he is given an advantage. I am not given an advantage. He is wearing those running shoes. I am wearing just plain tennis shoes. So, he's got advantage, I don't have. In the spiritual world also, this kind of thing is there very much prevalent. Where, just because there is one fantastic book being done by with one person, let us say the person is, who is doing an Upanishad, okay, and it's a very, very tough book to handle. And then there is another person who is doing a very simple book, okay. Now the person, everybody feels, oh, he is being given more preference. There is nothing like that. And every time when the disciple or the devotee crosses over one hurdle or the other, the Guru gets very pleased with it. Actually, he is not going to tell the person, oh, I am pleased, nothing like that. What happens is, he puts you on to the next track. It's like a relay race, okay? And the relay race is never ending. So you have to catch the baton and go to the next round. They have to catch the baton and go to the next round. And believe me, that relay is like, you you are only one baton by the way. <laughs> so you thought you are the runner, is it? No, you are the baton. The baton just goes round and round and round. Okay? Is the runner inside who is doing the running. That is basically, your mind is the one who is running. It runs in all the directions, so it has to be trained to run in the one direction alone. This is basically the idea the Guru is having that you need to overcome the mind. But had not Baba come to Shirdi by a stroke of fortune, how could we, his humble devotee, have got good fortune to enjoying his holy company? It was indeed a great stroke of luck. Whoever among the devotees surrenders to him totally, Sai will guide him properly to the path of righteousness for his own welfare. Hence, all listeners, reading this Satcharit with concentration for the sacred life of Sai is the best meaning of attaining the Guru's grace. In the last chapter, it was described how one devotee was confirmed in his faith and devotion to his own Guru and how another one was given the mark of Akkalkot Swami, thereby reviving the faith and devotion towards his Guru. How yet another devotee was prevented from ending his life and was by the ingenious plan saved in a moment from the brink of death and granted the gift of life quite unexpectedly. Now in this chapter it will be narrated how Sai would sometimes be pleased to confer his grace on the devotees, making them happy and content. It was a unique way of granting favours, literally initiation when to some he would bestow it amidst humour and laughter. May the listeners listen to this attentively. 
Many were his ways of conferring grace and instruction, which have been described earlier in the same book. His devotee was initiated into the spiritual path according to his capacity. It was the Vaidya doctor who diagnosed the malady only that he knows the benefit of the medicine, but the patient who has no knowledge of it asks first for the sweet jaggery. No doubt the jaggery is sweet, but it is also harmful. The patient, however, is adamant in bringing, demanding it, without which he is not ready to take the potion. The jaggery must be placed in his hand first. Compulsion does not work with the patient, so the Vaidya plans a strategy whereby, though the jaggery is given first and then the potion, yet the purpose is accomplished. Jaggery reminds me of a story of Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa. You know, the doctor who is there. There is this doctor is there and his friend is sitting in front of him. And suddenly one patient comes. And when the patient comes and the doctor uh, just examines the patient and all that. And after that he says, oh, uh, you go home and you come tomorrow again. And uh, the next day the patient again comes, the friend is again sitting in front. And this time the doctor gives him a medicine and says, okay, now this you are supposed to take three times a day, now you go home. So the friend is asking the doctor, you could have given this medicine yesterday. Why is it that you are giving him today? I mean, you should have given him yesterday, didn't you? So the doctor looks at him and says, you know what? There was a bottle of jaggery lying over here and the medicine and all that. So if I tell him that he is supposed to take like this, always the mind is attracted towards the, that jaggery. Jaggery is basically sugar. <laughs> so. All the tempting stuff, the mind is always attracted. So he says, today you know what I did? I removed that bottle from here and then I gave him the medicine. So his mind will not be on that. So this is how, you know, the the functions work like this exactly. You cannot treat a person by giving him something wrong kept in front of him. So it is like, uh, it's a very difficult thing. In the initial stages in sadhana, we always tell you to avoid that thing altogether. That means, suppose you are on the path of, say, sadhana, doing something and a person is uh, habituated to drinking or something like that. So, you cannot keep a bottle in front and say, I am not going to drink, I am not going to drink, I am not going to drink, I am not going to drink. So, I am, no, I am going to drink. The Elysian mark. I don't know how many knows about the Elysian mark, but it is, this is what happens. The person that drinks. So there is no point. So in the initial stages, the sadhana has to be very tougher because we have to remove that item from front of us. So we should never tease an item. Suppose you are used to certain things, never keep it in front and say, okay, let me see whether I have the willpower. Sir, willpower illa. Nothing is going to be there. You will immediately jump on that object and you are going to go. So it is important that the item is not there. So we will continue. For the antidote is changed in such a way that the harmful effect of the jaggery was counted and the prescribed medicine remains as effective. Such was also Baba's method. But this is not a rule with him always. He would suit this manner of initiation to the spiritual capacity, temperament, service and love and devotion for each devotee. Most amazing was Baba's marvelous Leela. When he was pleased with anyone, he would give him initiation. Just listen to how and under what conditions. Once it came to the mind to initiate someone, he would bring that devotee a sense of fulfillment of life. And that too, quite effortlessly through fun and laughter, even though, even when such a thought was furthest from the devotee's mind. If a devotee wishes to read a particular book, he quite naturally felt that he should first place it in Baba's hand and then receive back as his prasad. So that later, when he read the book, he would acquire special merits. And so would the narrator of the holy book and his listeners. Some offered in Baba hand pictures of the Dashavatar or the Dashavatar Stotra. Some brought to him sacred books like the Pancharatni Gita or the other books, lives, etc. Some offered even Das Garu's compositions, Santa Leela Amrut and Bhakta Leela Amrut. While others brought Vivek Sindhu of Mukundaraj. Baba gave all these to Shama. He would then say, Shama, let these books be with you keep them at home, properly preserved. Shama would obey the command respectfully and keep the books hopefully, carefully. The devotees used to bring the book from the shop with the intention of placing them in Baba's hands and asking from them again as his prasad. Generous as was Baba's nature, even to do this needed some courage and hence they used to take Madhavara with them to convey their wish to Baba. So it was through him that the books would be placed in Baba's hands at the opportune moment. <coughs> 
Baba not only knew the greatness of the book, but also the state of the devotee's mind. Devotees would give the book to in Baba's hands. Baba would look through the pages cursorily. The devotee would then put out their hands to receive them back. But Baba would not give them back. Instead, he would hand them over to Madhura saying, Shama, keep these copies. Let them be with you just now. Shama would ask plainly, These people who have extended their hands so eagerly, shall I give them back the copies? But still Baba would say, You keep them. Once the devotee Kaka Mahajani, who was so fond of reading the Bhagavad, came to Shirdi, carrying with him a copy of the book. Madhavara had come to meet him and casually picking up the book read, he carried it in his hand when he went to the mosque. Baba asked him, Shama, what is this book in your hand? Shama told him what it was. Baba took it in his hand, looked at it through and returned it. It was this book, the same copy of Eknath's Bhagavad, which Mahajani had received from Baba as Prasad in the earlier occasion. Madhavara conveyed to Baba in clear words that the book did not belong to him but to Kaka Mahajani and that he had just felt a momentary desire to read it, hence he had brought it with him. And Baba said to him, Since I have given it to you, you keep it in your collection. It will be useful to you. However, Kaka had come again to Shirdi after a while and he had brought with him another copy of the Bhagavad which he placed in Sai's hand. Baba returned him to him as Prasad saying, Keep it with uttermost care, assuring him it will be really be of great use to you. And he added with genuine concern, It is this that will serve you well. Do not give it up to anyone else. Without loving, very lovingly, Kaka then made obeisance to him. Satiated in all his desires, Baba was absolutely desireless. He whose innate nature is was to worship God, why should he take the trouble of collecting material objects? <coughs> Who was to know Baba's mind? From the practical point of view, however, the collection of these books was most beneficial to the devotee as a means of listening to the sacred books. Shirdi has now become a whole holy place. Baba's devotees from various countries will gather there time and again and confer them together on matters, matters spiritual. It is then that these books will become useful. We will have gone to our eternal abode by then, but Shama will produce these books from its collection and they will become representations of the author thereof. Such are these highly sanctified books. Thus the devotee must remember that in Shirdi or elsewhere must be the purpose of Baba's wishing them to be preserved carefully. Whether it is the Ramayana or the Bhagavad or for that matter any book on spiritual subjects, while re- reading the life of Rama or Krishna or others, one sees only Sai in front and behind. And one feels that the great personalities of these books are none other than Sai himself in different gowns. And the narrator and the listeners always see the image of Sai before them. The books were offered to the Guru or they are gifted to Brahmin. That too is beneficial to the giver. So proclaim the Shastras. Baba's command to Shama that you take these books home and preserve them carefully in your collection had a most significant purpose behind him. An excellent devotee that Shama was, so was also Baba's boundless love for him, hence the desire that arose in Sai's mind to impart some discipline to him. The books are you know, very very important because what happens is, normally the Guru what does he do is he takes a certain book and gives it to a person. Actually, that which is offered to you is nothing but a prasad. Okay? Now, this prasad has been offered to you so that when you read them, or sometimes if you remember in the last chapter, a person used to open up suddenly one page, you will find that your answers are very much there in that page. So, you will find that these answers come up quite often whenever you feel, say, ill at ease or something like that. So these books have also been given so that your spiritual growth happens. Also there is a library. A library means a huge pile of books are also there which are meant for those who come over there and take them to read them. Now you will find that these books are of very very immense value. Like the books which were given to Shama were were of immense value. So even when we went to Andhra when we met Babaji over there you will find that there are so many books that were there in the cupboard. And some of the very important books that are there, they, they are picked out on a very regular basis to be read. And these books are, see normally what happens in a year when the reading happens, the books can get repeated once or twice in a year. It may so happen like that. Or it may happen that one book gets read after three years or two years. It doesn't matter really. This is important. The book is particularly important at that point in time, so it has to be read at that point in time. 
so you will find that these books have an immense value and that they should be treated like that alone so just see what he did doba shama had not desired it at all he favored him with his grace and under what conditions just here one day there came to a mosque a ramdasi bua whose daily practice it was to read ramayan early in the morning on finishing his morning ablutions bath daily worship smearing of the basma etc he would don the saffron robe and sit down in the daily ceremonial worship a recitation of the vishnu sahasranam would be followed by reading upon reading with great faith of the adhyatma ramayan after considerable time had passed in following this daily practice when the opportune moment of the madhavara of mahapur madhavara had arrived it came into the mind of sai samat to bless him listen to what to that account now madhavara's devoted service to baba had at least come at last come to a fruition that madhavara should follow a discipline and be inducted on the path of devotion so that he will enjoy some peace and respite from worldly care This was a thought that came to Baba's mind. He called the Ramdasi to him and said, "There is a sharp shooting pain in my stomach, as if the intestines will now break. The stomach ache is not going to subside. Go quickly and get some senna powder. Unless I chuck a pinch of it into the mouth, the persistent pain in the stomach will not go." Poor Ramdasi, a trusting soul, he at once took a bookmark in the pothi and ran to the market, obeying Baba's order. No sooner had the Ramdasi climbed down from the steps, what Baba heard. did was he at once took up from got up from his seat went near the pothi there among the other book was the vishnu sahasranam pothi picking it up in his hand baba returned to his seat he then said to shama you know shama this pothi is very very beneficial i am therefore giving it to you you should now read it once i was in great distress my heart began to palpitate being restless and agitated i saw no hope in surviving on that occasion oh what shall i tell you shama This pothi was so useful to me I was saved only because of it. I laid it on my heart for a moment and lo my heart was instantly become I felt as if God himself had descended in it. I survived only because of it. Therefore Shama take this for yourself keep reading it slowly even if you try to concentrate on a single letter every day it will bring you immense joy and satisfaction. This is how it should be done. If you feel that that one line is sufficient read one line. If you feel one page is enough read that one page. If you feel that today you need to take rest and tomorrow you need to read one page or two pages please do that does not matter don't worry whatever that book has been given to you do it with reverence even if it is half a line does not matter even if you read one word is more than enough this is the magic of that you know so you should always read that kind of stuff which is given to you so Shama said Baba I do not want this pothi this Ramdasi will get furious with me he will think that it is I who has done this improper improper deed behind his back he as it is is wild by nature hot tempered cross and law loses his head easily why provoke a quarrel necessary in needlessly no no I do not want all this wrangling moreover the pothi is composed in sanskrit while my speech is uncouth and detestable the tongue get falters at a compound letter making my utterances indistinct it appears as though baba's whole action was directed towards parking of a <coughs> and shama could hardly have imagined the depth of love and concern that baba felt for him maybe my shama is quite crazy but i have a fond attachment for him he was inspired a strange affection in my heart and hence my deep loving concern for him With my own hands I will tie this garland of Vishnu Sahasranam round his neck and it will liberate him from the worldly sorrows and cares. I shall create in him a fondness of chanting the Naam. Naam can smash mountains of sin. Naam can sever the bondage of the physical body. Naam can eradicate and destroy crores of evil passions. Naam can break the neck of death itself. It avoids the pull of the birth death cycle. Such is the great merit of the Sahasranam for which Shama should develop fondness and love. Naam when chanted with conscious effort is indeed excellent chanted without conscious effort it is not bad either even if it comes to the lip unexpectedly it will reveal its power there is no other means easier than naam to purify the heart it is the adornment of the tongue naam nourishes the spiritual life to take the naam a bath is not necessary naam has no precepts no rules laid down by the shastras by taking the naam all sins are destroyed naam is sacred always so for if if you have been given a guru mantra you should 
don't worry about it that I have not taken bath, I have not done this, the today is not a good day, this and that. There is nothing like that required. If the mantra has been given, you need to just keep on saying it. It does not matter. It is something that it doesn't require some special skills or anything like that. It's just been given so that it becomes a part of your world. A ceaseless chanting of my name will also take you across safely. You need practice no other means, for you can attain moksha or liberation with it. He who repeats my name all the time will at once have all the sins washed out. He who is murmuring my name all the time is to me more meritorious than the most excellent of men. This is the innermost intent of Baba's heart and he acted according to it. Though Shama kept on saying no, Baba slipped the poti in his pocket. It is only on the strength of the accumulated merit of the forefathers that the fruit of the size grace is obtained. Such is the self-purifying Sahasranam that will remove the restlessness and the pain of worldly life. There are elaborate observances and rituals from other religious karmas, but the Naam can be chanted ceaselessly and at any time. Interruptions of Pradosh pose no obstructions to it. There is no other form of worship simpler than this. Eknath Maharaj too had a very similar manner, forced this Sahasranam on one of his neighbors, guiding him thereby on the spiritual path. In Eknath's house, a regular reading and kirtan of the Puranas used to take place. However, his neighbor, a Brahmin, neglected even the daily bath and religious observances, being engrossed in sinful behavior all the time. He would never listen to the Puranas. In fact, the sinner never stepped into Eknath's vada. But feeling compassion for him, Nath himself sent for him. Born in the high caste Brahmin family, he was simply frittering away his life. And knowing his secret, Nath was moved to pity, wondering how this sinful behavior would be stopped. Hence, though the man said no, Nath read out and taught him to repeat the Sahasrama. And even as he is being taught the verses one by one, his spiritual upliftment was gradually taking place. The reading or recitation of the Sahasranam is an easy straightforward way of self-purification. And this practice or custom has descended to us from our forefathers, hence all the strenuous efforts. <laughs> Meantime, the Ramdasi had returned speedily, bringing the medicine Sena. Anna Babre, who like Narad, delighted in exciting quarrels, stood in readiness and narrated all that had happened in great detail. One Narad is always there around, by the way. <laughs> Actually, it is required. Narad's job is, is not the way we look at it. He is not a chamcha. Like chamcha means saying one to the other, one to the other, to the other. No. It is the Lord himself who is working through that person. So always remember, he is also one of the highest devotees. Yes, like is a catalyst. Of course, he is the one who is... He is there for that reason and we need to honor him also. Meantime, the Ramdasi had returned speedily, bringing the medicine Sena. Anna Babre, who like Nara, delighted in exciting quarrels, stood in readiness and narrated all that had happened in great detail. The Ramdasi was very impetuous and to add to it, there was the mediation, mediation of the Nara Anna. Who can adequately describe the uniqueness of this occasion? As it was that Ramdasi was a very image of doubt and misconception, in no time a suspicion arose in his mind about Madhurao. He said, in order to grab my poti, you yourself made Baba to mediate. Forgetting all that the Sena he had brought, he began a tirade against Madhurao. His temper flared up uncontrollably and showered on him noisy empty words in abundance. The stomachache, I know, was only a pretense, which you yourself induced Baba to make because you had an eye on my poti. But I am not going to tolerate this. I am by name a Ramdasi, bold and fearless. You better return my poti or else I'll break your neck in front of in front of you in a shower of blood. Imagine this happening over there. <laughs> and Baba is sitting and enjoying the scene over there. <laughs> so, he telling that you are the one who induced Baba? It's funny, it's like telling, you are the one who is telling God to act against me? That's very funny. That doesn't work like that. Your eyes are on my pothi. So you have fabricated the whole thing, lying the bl- laying the blame on Baba's account, remaining aloof yourself. Madhavara tried to pacify him in many ways. But the Ramdasi refused to give in. Listen then to what Madhavara said gently. Do not blame me needlessly as being deceitful. And what is so great about this pothi of yours? It's not even so difficult to get. Nor is your poti so precious as gold or diamond that you should distrust Baba himself for it. Oh, shame on you. <laughs> Seeing this violent reaction, Baba said sweetly to Ramdasi. And so, what is what is so very wrong with it, O oh Ramdasi? Why are you distressing yourself about it needlessly? After all, Shama too is your own boy. Why are you straining your every nerve to admonish him? Why be so sad without a reason and make an exhibition of your temper to the whole world? 
Oh, how can you be so quarrelsome? Why can you not speak gently, sweetly? You read the pothi all the time, and yet your heart is still impure. Every day you read Adhyatma Ramayana. You repeat the Sahasranam, and you have not given up the wild willfulness, and yet you call yourself a Ramdasi. What kind of Ramdasi are you? You ought to be detached and desireless in every sense of the word, but here you are not being able to give up the attachment to the pothi. What can one say to this behavior of yours? A Ramdasu should have no attachment and treat both the great and the small alike. And yet you exhibit such hostility towards this boy, clinging to the hand to snatch away the pothi. Go, go back and sit in your place. Pothis you can get cheaper by the dozen, but a good person is hard to come by even to the end of this world. Whatever may be so great about this pothi, this Shamya here does not know. Moreover, I myself picked it up, and it is I who gave it to him. Besides, you know it by heart. So I thought I should give it to Shama, who would keep on reading it, and it will be highly beneficial to him. How sweet, how compassionate was that speech, and oh, how cool and refreshing, like the water of the inner bliss. The words were simply marvelous. In his heart, the Ramdasi was realized fully well. Fuming with anger, he said to Madhura, "Look, I am telling you now that I am going to take away from you the Pancharatni Gita in exchange." Madhura was happy to see that Ramdasi had cooled down so much. Not one, he says, but I will give you ten copies of the Gita in exchange. Later, the quarrel subsided with the Gita remaining as the surety. But why did he want the Gita when he could not recognize the God of that Gita? He who is sitting near Baba made reading upon reading of the Adhyatma Ramayana. Should the same Ramdasi set himself out to quarrel with Sai in this way? And yet, how can I say even this? How can I blame anyone? For if such incidents had not taken place, how would the lessons be impressed upon the others? That is the Sahasranam that has been sparked off such a quarrel. That which has removed Baba's distress and which is also very beneficial to me. That is really an extraordinary gift of Sai. Had all this effort not been made, Madhura would never have been convinced. He would have never have the learnt it or committed to it in this memory. Such is this Saina, so loving and yet so difficult to attain, who engages in the spiritual sport. When and how he will pull the strings, it is difficult to know. Later, as time passed, Shama began to have faith in the pothi, and Dikshit and Narke both taught him to recite with correct pronunciation. He learned to read it and soon knew it by heart. Thus, the debate of Madhura was really an explanation of the different words of Baba's pure instructions. It is undoubtedly the most delightful sense of humor which brought blissful joy. Similarly, Baba was very fond of those who were studying the Brahma Vidya, and just see how he clearly demonstrated at that proper time. Once a parcel came by post to Shirdi Post Office for Zog, and he immediately set out to thither to receive it. And he saw the book. It turned out to be Gita Rahasya. A commentary on the Bhagavad Gita by Lokmanya Tilak. Tucking it under his arm, he at once came to the mosque for darshan. As he bowed at Baba's feet, the parcel fell at his feet. What, Babu Sahib? What is this? Baba then asked. The parcel was opened in front of Baba, and Zog told him what it contained. The parcel with the book in it was then handed over to Baba. Baba looked at it. He took out the book in his hand, glanced through its pages for a moment, and takes out a rupee from the pocket, placed it in the book fondly. He then put it in Zog's upparna along with the rupee, saying. Read this from the beginning to the end. It will be beneficial to you. There are innumerable such stories of Baba's favor. If they had been narrated briefly, it is only for fear of making this book voluminous. Once it so happened that Dada Sahib Khaparde came to Shirdi with his family and stayed on enamored by Baba's loving company. Khaparde was not an ordinary person. He was a superior personage, very learned, and before Sai he could stand with folded hands and his head lowered respectfully. Proficient as he was in the English language, he enjoyed the reputation as an effective and impressive speaker in the legislative assembly. Yet he would not hold the silence in Sai's presence. Uh, it reminds me of one story. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was one holy book that was lying. Now that holy book had never been opened in in by anybody, but it was covered. You know, earlier in olden times, we used to cover with brown paper. If you remember. So the brown paper cover, or maybe it was the newspaper cover, something was covering it. And that big, that book one day came to me, and um, out of curiosity, I mean, I just turned the pages, and you will be surprised to know that inside the book, inside the cover, there was some money kept over there. <laughs> some people use books for keeping their money inside. 
you know our old grandmothers and grandfathers you know they will keep the money inside the book hiding it over there and here the one who got the book got the money as well so sometimes it so happens that the dakshana comes on its own as well like the dakshana came from baba that one rupee was given along with the book so sometimes the dakshana comes on its own so you should be thankful that you can get it sometimes baba had innumerable devotees but except for kapalde butti and nulkar no other devotee would hold his silence before baba all the others used to speak out some even argued with baba without any reverence fear or awe only these three observed silence in front of them and they they this was true not only of speaking but also of general manner they also bowed their heads in front of baba the humility and reverence with which they listened to him was simply indescribable that dada sahib from whom it was a privilege to get the panchadashi of vidyaranya explained even he used to be uh, silent once he came to the mosque however powerful the brilliance of the shabda brahma that is the vedas might be it dims before the radiance of the pure consciousness sai who is the glorious para brahma incarnate would naturally put all learning to shame for four months kapalde stayed in shirdi while his wife was there for seven months day after day they both experienced great joy his wife had great faith and loving devotion to sai and would bring the food offering to the mosque every day with their own hands the lady would not touch food until the offering was accepted by baba after maharaj had eaten the lady would eat and so when the opportune moment arrived pleased with the lady's steadfast faith baba ever compassionate to the devotees guided her to the best spiritual path different peoples have their own different ways but baba's ways were extraordinary in a playful manner amidst laughter he would confer grace in such a way that it was firmly imprinted on the mind once that lady mrs kapalde brought a plate full of variety of delicacies of food to offer to baba There was semolina sweets like sanja sira with fried puris, wheat bread, rice and dal, kheer, papad, sangas, salads, etc. Mouth is watering, etc. <laughs> What? The moment this plate arrived with great eagerness, Baba got up from the seat, rolling up the sleeves of his kafni. He went to the dining place, sat down, pulled up the plate in front of him, and there removed the covering from the plate, all ready to savor the food. Numerous other food offerings would arrive daily far more delicious than this one but would lie there for a long time quite neglected why then such a strong desire for one alone surely this is one worldly behavior why should he affect why should it affect a saint sat so madhura at once said to sai samant baba why do you make such a differentiation you push aside the offering of others sometimes even the silver plates of some you just fling away but no sooner this lady's offering comes you at once straight up get up and start eating it is really a wonder how only her food is so very delicious is oh god a great mystery to us why is this jugglery of yours why do you entertain such likes and dislikes baba said oh shama how can i describe the rarity of this food offering in a previous birth this lady was a well fed cow of a grocer yielding abundant milk she then disappeared some day and took birth in the house of a gardener later she was born as a kshatriya and then married to a grocer after that she was married to a brahmin household I saw her after a long time. Let me eat in peace and happiness two morsels offered to me with so much love. So saying he ate at the heart's content, washed his hands and mouth, expressing his satiety towards naturally through belching. Then he came and sat on his seat. The lady then made obeisance and began pressing his feet. Taking this opportunity, Baba spoke to her lovingly of things of her own interest. With his own hands Baba gently pressed her hands that were pressing his feet. Seeing this manual mutual loving service of God and his devotee, Shama then began to tease again. Well, well, Baba, very fine. What an interesting sight. Seeing this reciprocal feeling, we are amazed. Baba was pleased at heart to see the devote, devoted service and said to her softly, "Keep on saying, Raja Ram, Raja Ram. Say this all the time, and oh, mother, your life will be fulfilled. Your mind will be at peace, and you will be benefited immensely." How wonderful were those words. This moved the heart at once, and as if by those words, Baba had instantly passed on the divine power to the devotee. So compassionate is this Sainath, the patron of the humble and the obedient, that he always fulfills the desire of this devotee and ensures the spiritual welfare. I very lovingly and humbly wish to make friendly entreaty to my listeners in their own interest, intent on the sweetness of jaggery, and ant will not let go of it, even if it means breaking her neck. Such should be your absolute surrender to Sai. Then will Sai protect you graciously. The Guru and the devotee are not separate, though they appear to be separate. They are one. He who tries with great effort to separate them will ultimately have to give up his conceit. 
If you find one of them without the other, the guru is imperfect, and so too is his disciple. But he who is trained by the perfect guru will hold his silence on this matter of duality between them. Those who feel that guru stays at one place and his disciple at another, and hence they are separate, know not the truth. If they are not two at all, then how can they be separate? One cannot just say without the other. Stay, such is their oneness. There is no separateness between the guru and the devotee too. They are always united in spirit. The devotee placing his head on the guru's feet is really a form of worship of the physical body. The devotee worships with the feeling of oneness, and the guru always looks upon the devotee as being one with him. Unless there is such a perfect oneness with each other, the whole exercise will be only of formality. Do not worry even for a moment how you will get the material necessities of life, like food and clothing. For it comes according to your prarabdha and comes without effort. If you make a great effort to acquire this, your exertion will be in vain. Instead, make efforts for your spiritual progress and concentrate it on day and night. This is the most important thing that needs to be understood by everybody. See, what happens is we are so much entangled in our material world that we are not bothered so much about what happens. So we work harder and harder and harder and harder. thinking that we will make more money and then we will be more happy and then you will have more time that doesn't work like that whatever is required for you for food and for clothing and for shelter is all that you are going to get because what is most important is the spiritual progress and that is what you got to concentrate more on see understand this even if it is your kids education or for that matter even if it is like say for example there is a sickness in the family or something like that why are you worried that money when it is required will come on its own this faith you need to have the moment you have this faith it will automatically come to you so if you stress out and thinking like this if you worry for these material necessities of life food and clothing and all this don't worry about it and the rest of it don't bother you know where the thing is going to happen how it's going to come what is most important that will come and incidentally if something is written as a prarabdha for the child what makes you think you are responsible for doing that you see if it is written in the child's prarabdha karma that he is supposed to study in a particular school or college or get a job in a particular place why are you bothered about it it will anyway come to him by you stressing out that thing is going to come to you no if the conduit is you conduit is means a pipeline is through you then it will happen but if it is through somebody else why are you bothered about it tomorrow the president of america may say okay boss you come and take this from me <laughs> who are you to stop him nobody so don't worry about all those things so with whatever is there in the child's life it will come to him so don't you worry about all these things so always make your efforts in spiritual progress and concentrate on it day and night arise in a way why do you roll snoring in deep slumber so cries mother shruti at the top of the voice trying lovingly try lovingly to awaken the devotee those who are rolling in slumber of ignorance which is the seed of all calamities they should wake up in good time and drink the nectar of the knowledge that the good gives guru gives and to get it surrender in all humility at the guru's feet he alone knows what is proper and what is improper while we are but ignorant children jiva is with his ego of scant knowledge and of the all knowing shiva is egoless to realize the oneness between the two the guru is the only means to remove the separateness between jiva and atma limited by ignorance and shiva the atma limited by maya guru ra alone is powerful oh guru raya nahi hai guru rao hai wahan pe <laughs> offer at sai's feet the mind that is governed by resolution doubts and misconceptions so that sai himself will be a doer of action which i inspired therefore thereafter similarly offer at sai's feet the power of doing all actions then act as he commands in the same manner know that sai is all powerful it is if you act without ego casting the burden on him you will attain the siddhi altogether but if you say i will do this and if you have conceit even in the least degree you will see its effect at once without a moment's delay 
but as for Hemart, as he turns lazily from side to side in the night of ignorance created by Maya, he experienced effortlessly the grace of Hari and Guru. And that too by the good fortune alone, without study or effort, he enjoyed it. It seemed to me as if they, Hari and Guru themselves have glorified me for accomplishing their purpose. Resolving upon writing this own story for the upliftment of the devotees, I perforce held the hand and got the book written in great detail. So let us weave a beautiful garland of multicolored flowers of steadfast love in the thread of ceaseless contemplation and offer it with reverence to Sai. Let us attain to the throne of self-realization, adorning that glorious seat of our self-absorption. Let us enjoy the bliss with happiness in our heart and without a trace of ego. Such is the unfathomable life of Sai. The tale that follows is even stranger than this. Be attentive for a moment and your ears will be purified. A series of three chapters will follow hereafter, in which you will see how visiting at one place Baba showed the marvel of the visions. The first among these chapters deals with Lala Lakhmichan, who, tried by his string of love, was led to the true refuge. How he had a very clean desire to, for her khichri with the darshan, the lady from Bharanpur became most eager for his darshan, thus showing the marvel of his love for the devotee. Later, Megha, another devotee, was given vision to the to in his dream to draw a Trishul, after which he suddenly received the Linga of Shiva. Many such stories will follow from now onwards, and if the listener listens to them with devotion and faith, they will find fulfillment. A lump of salt when dipped in the ocean becomes one with it, so does Hemad, who surrenders to Sai, makes obeisance with love and devotion, enjoying within the oneness of Soham. Moreover, he lovingly entreats that may his mind meditate on Sai day and night and be always alert so that none other but Sai enter into it. May the past be erased, the end of the future be pushed further, and what remains between the two that is the present be always spent at Guru's feet. Will be to all here ends the 27th chapter of Sri Sai Samat Satcharit called the bestowal of grace as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemadpa. So, we have finished the chapter. So, okay, I have one question. Uh, that was what? Does one reach a point where there are no emotions at all left? Oh, we were doing the right in the beginning about the emotional aspect, isn't it? No, in the initial stages, the mind is a necessity. Mind is like a torch, you know, like a torch or like a lamp. The lamp is required so that you see the path. And once when you see the path, the path opens up and then you can walk on the path. As you reach your spiritual dwelling, that is what is called enlightenment, the lamp shines on its own and that is what is called enlightenment. Enlightenment. The light inside shines on its own. Then what is the point of this torch? The mind. That is not required at all. Again, spiritual knowledge is required in the beginning. First, you get material knowledge. You throw that, you get spiritual knowledge, you take that spiritual knowledge, then you go inwards towards God. Once you reach God, that spiritual knowledge is also useless. Correct? You cannot even carry that knowledge with you. So you just have to chuck it over there and come back. So this is how you will find that emotions in the initial, initial stages, emotions do play a part. After some times, you will find that Sahaja Samadhi. If you if you remember, there was one word called Sayujya. Sayujya, you know. So this particular Samadhi, which is Sahaj type of a Samadhi, it just comes on its own, absolutely right there on the spot. Ramakrishna Paramahansa would go in a Samadhi in a blink like this. At that point in time, the person really has no clue what is happening. So this kind of Samadhi, though we are there in it, but we don't know about it. So Initially, emotions come. After that, you move inwards. As you move inwards, automatically the, the, the song keeps on repeating inside, the words keep on repeating inside. And from the highest, that is, when you speak loudly, to you speak under your breath, to then you speak in your mind, and then it happens to be a part of your heartbeat alone. So this is how the four sounds happen. So you will find that in the first stage, the words can come out through a very loud saying, you know, okay. After that, if, if you remember, there are certain words that were given over here. 
that word that lady will have to say raja ram raja ram raja ram okay later on she will say very quietly after that the heart will say heart in the sense her mind keeps on saying raja ram raja ram raja ram raja ram it's like a song you know it's like a background uh, you know in the music there is one thing which keeps on behind you know that <laughs> so it's like that you know the rhythm it just goes on behind in the background and then later on you don't even know it is happening on its own it just keeps on happening it just that just shruti box is it just goes on like that so it's like, it's like that it keeps on going so in the same thing happens to that individual as well so there at that point in time you are not even aware it is happening okay many uh, as as a child i i was uh, taken to a temple this is uh, about 50 kilometers away from nagpur and then some words were told to me by my uh, great grand aunt when she said those words i was a small child i didn't understand what she was talking every time when i used to get scared those words used to come out and they were all coming out wrong i did not even know about these words okay later on i used to do this hanuman ji's puja and all that for many many years i was the secretary again i used to say those words i never knew what was happening because somebody had told me so i just kept on saying okay our our loo was outside and in the dead of the night when there are remember in olden times there were no lights <laughs> dark and then there was that pakistan war and that bangladesh war and all those things i know you all were not even born and blackouts were there at that time how do you go to the loo <laughs> in the darkness so you say that words that keep on saying so initially like this how we use our mind the emotions and all that same way these words also come so what he says to say the words is not a problem i mean you don't have to put that janevu on top of your ears and then say the words not necessary also <laughs> you can just keep on saying whatever even in sleep also you can do that so th- that is why the naam japa is so very important you just keep on doing it later on the guru will give the original whatever that is required so this is how it all works